From St. Luke's Gospel, Jesus said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, friends. Happy All Saints Day. Well, that really isn't All Saints Day. All Saints Day is the 1st of November. However, on the octave, within the eight days of that day, the rector can move All Saints Day to the following Sunday, which we've done. So I figured what I would do for this Feast of All Saints is just read all the names. What do you say? I'm just joking. Uh, What I want to do, though, is look at what does it mean to what exactly is a saint, all of them. Are saints just, as our hymn says, those who rest from their labors? Or, to quote St. Paul, are saints also another way to see it? As I preached on this a few weeks ago, those who have fought the good fight, who have finished the race, who have kept the faith. Most people think of saints as famous people, right? Who have done something great, built an orphanage or all sorts of different things. You think of Mother Teresa, for example, someone with great big influence on our culture, or St. Augustine, or uh, St. Theodore of Mopsuestria. Don't know him, do you? Teddy the Mop? No, he's, he's not that, all that important. But, uh, but I want to challenge you this morning about how you think of saints, because things, listen, are not always what they seem. See, it's not what a saint the, the, uh, the accomplishments of a saint that make them a saint. What makes a saint a saint is how they view the world and how they live in it. And let me also say too, saints, all of the saints are not just dead people, that is true, but saints are also those who are alive. St. Paul says this in one of his epistles. He addresses, the, the, he addresses all the saints at Ephesus. So basically, if you are a Christian, if you're looking at me right now, then the person in your chair is a saint. So let's talk about this. This is a big deal. This is not just some far-off thing where we think about people that did stuff 2,000 years ago or even in recent history. Um, But I want to look at what actually makes a saint a saint. Two things that actually determine whether you are a saint or not. First, a saint, all the saints, they know where they're going. And secondly, they live like they believe it. All the saints, all of them, And all their variety and all their differences in their ministries, they all know where they're going. And they all live like they believe it. Those are my two points. So this morning I'm going to look at this out of Luke chapter 6. It's referred to normally as the Beatitudes. It's the same... um, teaching moment as the, uh, in in Matthew's gospel, we heard referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. It's a little different, but in the Beatitudes, there's a series of what are called blessings, and if you read it, Jesus says these things. It sounds awfully simple, and it's a lot more complex than you might think, but I'm going to show you. He says, blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. All right. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh, and so on. There's four of them. And then he follows these with a series of woes. But woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall receive what you've asked for. And what makes these blessings so really interesting, and I'd never noticed this before this past week, but if you look at them closely, blessed are the poor, blessed are those who weep, they don't make any sense at all. In fact, uh, if you, I will confess to you, if you don't know me very well, and some of you do, some of you don't, when I was a young man, say 23, 24, I didn't grow up as a Christian, and I didn't really believe any of this, 
until my mid-20s. But one of the things which really was a hang-up for me was that the Christianity just seemed so incredibly naive, so incredibly wishful thinking, kind of like little orphan Annie just chatting away, the sun will come out tomorrow, bet your bottom dollar, right? You know Ned Flanders from The Simpsons, oh fiddly-dee, that guy? That was my image of Christianity, and this is a good example of why I thought that. Blessed are the, those who weep. Blessed are those who poor are poor. To me, this made no sense at all, and it was kind of a fairy tale, kind of wishful thinking. But I want to challenge you on something which is fascinating, which I learned a little bit later on. That word for blessed, what does it mean? You ever see somebody that has a sign, maybe you, maybe you have it on your wall at home or on your refrigerator, it says blessed. Anybody see that before? If you do have it, don't raise your hand. Because <laughs> uh, the word blessed ordinarily means one of two things. It can mean God has blessed me. I, I've gotten so much from him. Okay, careful with that one. But it might also mean I've been blessed, given th- something, and I'm grateful for it. Okay, that's a little better. But the idea is we think of blessed as receiving something. That's not what this means. The Greek word, blessed are thou, blessed are you who are hungry, the Greek word is the word makarios. The New Testament's written in Greek, right? Not English. And so the Greek word is makarios, and it doesn't mean grateful or thankful or I've been given lots of nice stuff that I really enjoy. No. That word blessed, this is weird, stay with me. That word blessed means happy. It means joyful. It means you are just jumping for Jesus, right? It's kind of like when Penn State beats Rutgers. Roger? (laughs) That's the best we can do this year, sorry. But look, with that in mind, look at these again. It's even weirder than you thought. Let's change the word blessed with the word happy or joyful. Ready? Happy are the poor. Yeah! Jumping for Jesus are those who suffer. Yeah. Joyful are you when you are sad. Yeah, right. You see my point? That's how most people read these. And when you read that, happy are you when you are sad. Happy are you when you are poor. Yeah, right, Jesus. That's just not how the world works. And that is precisely his point. The Beatitudes, listen, describe how a saint sees the world. Look really closely at this again, and and it's super subtle, but it's right there if you look at it. Look at verse 2, right? Jesus says, blessed are you. And he's talking, if you notice the backstory, he's traveling around with a bunch of people. He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. There's multitudes. Look at it in the beginning of the text. Multitudes following him and his disciples. So the great crowds are there because they want something from him, right? But there's also some disciples, some followers of his there. And Jesus says, he looks at the disciples, verse 2, and he says, blessed are you. the the Christians that are following him, who are poor for yours, listen to this, yours is the kingdom of God. Stop there. What he's saying to you, if you are a saint, and if you're a Christian, you are a saint, then yours is the kingdom of God. It is present tense. All the rest of them are future tense. You shall be satisfied. You will no longer be hungry. But the kingdom of God language is present tense. And it's present tense, friends, because saints are not just dead people, but living ones as well. The person sitting in your chair right now. 
And Jesus says, this kingdom of God is yours now. And the kingdom of God is a real thing. It isn't here yet, but it will be. And, where, and the kingdom of God is where Jesus sits on his throne and where everything is the way it, listen, should be. Where people are treated with respect. Where there is no crime, no murder, no rape of a woman running along the river in, on New York City at 4.30 in the morning on Saturday morning, for example. There is no crime, no disease. The things that keep you up at night that you worry about, and me too, in the kingdom of God, that is no longer a concern of yours. There is no death, there is no suffering, there is no struggle, there is no concern. The kingdom of God, friends, is actually what every human being, believer or not, seeks, whether they know it or not. Everybody wants what Jesus is saying is already ours. Let me give you an example. Tuesday is election day. You guys heard that, right? Okay. In case you didn't know, Tuesday is election day, and I don't do politics from the pulpit. I do have political opinions, and if you want to know, I'll tell you. I don't do them from the pulpit, but I will describe this to you. You've heard a lot about what's going to happen on Tuesday, and I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, and frankly, I don't even care for this illustration who you support, because the reality is every person, listen, every person in this world, believer, non-believer, atheist, Christian, you name it, Every person believes that the world should be better, right? For example, the, uh, Pennsylvania, where I'm from, you've got Fetterman and Dr. Oz running neck and neck. These two guys could not be more different, amen? But, but, but hang on a minute. They, are, they both believe the world should be a better place. Now, their strategies and their tactics and their policies are radically different, one of them I agree with, one of them I don't. That's up to you. But the thing I want you to understand here is that all people, everybody, including you, every person you know believes the world should be a better place. Is that fair? Here's the zinger. Why? Why do you believe that? Because it's never been good. The world has always been a mess. There have always been wars. There have always been oppression. There has always been things which are done to people that should not be done. So why do human beings, and I don't care whether you're a believer, even atheists, Marxists believe the world should be a better place? That's the whole premise of Marxism. But why do they believe it? Why would anybody hang on to an idea which is so obviously experientially foolish? I'll tell you why. One word, Eden, the kingdom of God. The Garden of Eden is where God created us to live. I used to think this was a fairy tale when I was a kid. It explains everything. The Garden of Eden is where we were created to live. The Garden of Eden and the kingdom of God are the same thing, by the way, heaven. That we were made for a world radically different and radically better than the world that we inhabit now. And we were cast out of Eden, as you know, on the account of the sins of Adam and Eve, which we have all inherited. But as a, as a species, as a species human beings, we were created in God's image, and we were made for Eden, and we still remember it. We remember it. We all remember Eden. We crave it. We demand it. We say the world should be better. Because it was. 
and we remember it. And that is precisely what Jesus is saying, exactly what he's saying when he says, yours, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, yours, friends, is the kingdom of God. As a Christian, we know that the parts of this life, the ups and downs, the events of our life may be difficult. We may face struggle. All of us have got something going on. Every person in this room has something going on. We all struggle, but friends, as Christians, we know the end game. We know that heaven awaits us. And by the way, heaven is a physical place in Scripture when Christ returns. We know the end game. We know that heaven awaits us. And even though this world can and will lead us to suffering, we persevere because, listen, we know where we're going. And that is the first thing that makes a saint a saint. They know where they're going. So here's my question for you. Do you know where you're going? Do you know where you're going? Do you have a goal in mind? Is your whole, whole life, your being, your ex, ex, expectation of this world, in this world or in the world to come? If it's in this world, have fun. Welcome to a life of misery. If it's in the world to come, you can stay focused on that. You know that something better awaits you. And that's my second point, that saints know where they're going and they know and they live like they believe it. There's a song. I'm a guitar player, many of you know. Uh, I, I don't listen to country music all that much. I know people do. I'm not knocking it. But there's one song I came across, gosh, probably 10, 15 years ago, by a guy named Tim McGraw, named Live Like You Were Dying. Anybody know it? Yeah, I'm not going to sing. Well, maybe I will sing it. We'll see. But it's a song about a guy who's like 40 years old, and he's diagnosed, I think, with cancer. And, of course, when that, when that hits, like, nobody expects to get diagnosed with cancer at 40, but it totally rang his bell, right? It totally changed the way he saw the world around him. And he writes a song about it, about what's going on in his, in his being as he discovers his own mortality and that his mortality is staring him in the face. It's unavoidable. And he writes, he reevaluates his life, which is a good thing, I think, frankly. He begins to reevaluate his life, and he says the following I was, I went skydiving. Is that how it goes? I don't even know. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I love this one. I went two point seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. I love that. I've never ridden a bull. bull. He said, I've been the father I never was. I read scripture, which I'd never done before. He took his faith seriously. In other words, his entire worldview, friends, had changed. His entire world was rocked. And, he, and the refrain is, some, this is what struck me 15 years ago, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you are dying. See, saints live like they were dying. Not in a morbid way, but we live like we know that we're, we live like we're dying because we know where we're going. And, what that really, and that really means that you put Jesus Christ first in all that you do. In everything that you do, you live differently. Not for this world, but for the kingdom of God, which Jesus describes in the Beatitudes. Pray for those who persecute you. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, which is an act of shame, like uh, the guy that, who's the guy that smacked the guy in the, never mind. What's his name? Yeah, Will Smith. That is what Jesus means. If someone shames you with a smack across the face, give them the other one. You know why? What people do to you in this world doesn't matter because you live for the kingdom and you know where you're going.
Friends, we are called to live not in this world, but for the kingdom of God. And then we know that even if we are hungry now, we know that we will be satisfied. Even though we weep now and when life gets really hard, and you all know that it does, we can still be joyful. We can still be macarious because we know the end game. We know that we will laugh. We know that even if people mock us for our Christian faith and call us a bigot or a zealot, or you lose friends because you believe in this guy that rose from the dead, even if you get canceled or knocked off Twitter, which used to happen anyway, even in those situations you can rejoice, Jesus says, and be exceedingly glad because great is your reward in heaven. And we don't live in this world, but in the world to come. Friends, we live in this world, but we are also called to hold the things of this world loosely. I, I, I increasingly, as I get older, believe that the Christian walk, once you become a saint, once you're a believer, the Christian life is very simply this, learning to hold the things of this world more loosely every day and grab on more tightly to the things of the kingdom of God, the world to come. See, friends, all the saints, all of them, in their wild diversity and differences, all of them have one thing in common. If you are saved by Jesus and you are a Christian, they live lives knowing where they're going, and they act like it. To live a life lit with our eyes focused on our final destination, to live a life focused on Jesus and our life with him in Eden, where we were made for, the life we were made to leave, live with him. Let me challenge you today on this feast of all saints, all of them, even the ones sitting in your chair, to live like a saint, to be careful that you know where you're going, and to live like you believe it. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for all the saints, the living ones, the dead ones, and all of those who learn to live in this world and not of it. Lord, help us to be joyful, even in the midst of struggle, to keep our eyes focused on you, to live in this world, but not of this world. Help us to live like we know where we are going, for the saints of God are just like me, and I want to be one too. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.